Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer. Hello, everyone. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about Shambach School of Ministry. Shambach School of Ministry is run by Donna Shambach, daughter of world-renowned evangelist R.W. Shambach. You don't have to be a pastor or minister to take courses from Shambach School of Ministry. All you need is a hunger for the Lord. Any Christian would benefit from taking these classes. Also, anyone on church staff or who volunteers at your local church should sign up because I promise you every single course will give you practical knowledge about how to better serve the Lord in your position. In each course, you'll learn from Sister Shambach's years of ministry experience, how to practically apply what you're learning, and how to have integrity while you're ministering. One of the best parts is that each course is affordable and you work at your own pace. So you pick a course and you pay the fee, then you go through it as it fits your schedule. You don't even have to take courses back to back, you can take them as you're available. And you'll watch videos and respond for each one, and for many of the courses, you'll also receive a companion book with classes like Evangelism and the Holy Spirit, Understanding Evangelism, Spiritual Leadership, Knowing the Holy Spirit, and the Blood Covenant. You are sure to be blessed by the courses. And at the end of each one, you'll receive a certificate of completion. I can't say enough good things about Shambach School of Ministry. I'm taking classes personally, and I encourage everyone listening to sign up as well. Don't miss this opportunity to grow in the Lord and also learn how to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go get signed up today. Isaiah 40, verse 3. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says this, the voice of him who cries out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I want to read to you from the, the message version this morning and then I'll let you sit down. It says this, thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road straight and smooth, a highway fit for our God. Fill in the valleys, level off the hills, smooth out the ruts and clear out the rocks. Then God's bright glory will shine and everyone will see it just as God has said. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that your word gives us instruction. I thank you that your word gives us hope. I thank you that your word challenges us. I thank you, God, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, today, I pray that your word will speak to every one of our hearts. And God, that we will see where we need to get in line for revival. Because God, there are roadblocks in our way. There are things in our way, God, and we need to get 
get it out. We need to make the road clear so that you can move. We need to make the path straight so that you can move. And God, today I pray that we would do that in each one of our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Tell everybody you have got to get ready for God to show up. Everybody say that. You've got to get ready for God to show up. You can't just go about it and and expect him to show up any old way, any old time. You have got to prepare yourself if you want God to show up. The Bible here in Isaiah says that we've got to make the crooked way straight. We've got to get the the roadblocks out of the way. We've got to fill in the valleys and we've got to level off the hills. The Bible says, then the glory of the Lord will show up. Then the glory of the Lord will show up. See, there is a path to revival. There is a path to revival. It is a twisting, turning, winding road, and it is filled with self-sacrifice. It is filled with things like prayer and fasting. It is filled with consecration, and there are very few people who ever take that road. But if you will take that road to the end, you will see the glory of God fall in your life personally and in your church and in your area. And we have got to clear the path and make the highway straight. We've got to get the rocks and the ruts out of there. We've got to clear every single roadblock. There are roadblocks on the road to revival. Have you ever been driving along and you were on your way to a destination and you came up to a sign that said road closed? And those signs come quickly and they come unexpectedly. And if you have a GPS, it'll help you find a route out around that roadblock unless you're around here and you can't get any satellite service on your GPS. We were on a backcountry road last summer and, and we got to a roadblock and we had to turn around and go a different way and we didn't have any service up there and we said, well, we guess we'll try this way. Have you ever been lost in trying to find your way with no GPS and no, no way to figure out how to where you're at or how to get where you're going? When you get to a roadblock, you've got to go to another direction. When if you could just get through the roadblock, you'd get to your destination a lot quicker. If you come up on a roadblock while you're traveling, it can add a ton of time to your trip. It can add a ton of expenses to your trip. That's extra gas. That's extra time. That's extra stress. And it ends up costing you instead of going straight through, you had to go out and around and take the long way to your destination. And this is where I believe the church is today. The church of Jesus Christ wants to be on the road to revival, but the church has allowed certain roadblocks to pop up in our way. And if we don't get the roadblocks out of the way, there is no alternate route to revival. The Bible says that there is a narrow road. There is a narrow road, and we've got to be on that thing. If we want revival, we've got to get on that road, road. and you've got to get the roadblocks out of the way because you'll never, ever reach your destination. I'd like to talk to you today about four roadblocks that God laid on my heart that are in our path that we've got to remove before we can get to revival. We've got to get these things out of the way. We've got to get these things out of the church. We've got to get these things out of our lives before we can get to revival. And these things might sound hard, but we've got to shake ourselves because we have grown cold and we have grown satisfied. The reason that we do not see revival is because we're satisfied to live without it. 
The reason we're not seeing revival in the church is because we are satisfied to live without it. If I sound intense today, it is because I am. And I'm not preaching this out of anger, but I am preaching this out of hunger. I am hungry for revival. I am hungry for the things of God. I'm hungry for what God has for us. And the church is stuck in this perpetual cycle of powerlessness. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of talking about the fire and never seeing the fire. I'm tired of singing about the fire and never seeing the fire. I'm tired of praying for the fire and never seeing the fire. I'm tired of of wasting our time stuck in a rut. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Revival is no longer an option. Revival is imperative. If we want our country to survive, if we want the church of Jesus Christ to continue to flourish in the United States of America, we have got to have revival. It is no longer an option. Can I ask you today, what can stop revival? What can stop revival? Because... Our God is not holding back revival from us. Whatever he has is for us. If we will go get it, if we will put in the time, our God's not holding back revival from us. And the Bible also says that God was going to build a church and the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against it. So Satan can't hold back revival. Therefore, there is only one thing left in the factor that can hold back revival, and that is you and that is me. We are the ones holding back revival today. And if you can't say amen, just say ouch. If revival is held back, it's nobody's fault but our own. The first roadblock on the road to revival is this. A lack of consecration. A lack of consecration in the church. Romans 6.13 Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Yield yourselves to God and not to sin. We have got to consecrate ourselves. We have got to act like we've been born again. We can't act like we're still dead out in the world. We have got to act like we are born again. You You have turned this around and the church has begun to participate in things that the world is participating in. The church is now participating in the world's activities and they are meshing them together. We have begun to invite things into the church that would never have ever been allowed 15 to 20 years ago. And when I was growing up in church, we still called sin, sin. It wasn't a struggle and you didn't need counseling. It was sin and you needed to get to the altar. Yes, we'll be there to talk to you and help help you through it and you better get to the altar though. We've allowed this hyper grace message to come into the church and permeate every single level. And now we have pastors going out and drinking with pop stars. We have secular singers singers singing about their body parts in their songs and shaking themselves in their music videos and then going to record with the top gospel artists. We used to preach that Christians should stay out of the bars. Now we brought the bars into the church and set up counters where people can have any sort of liquor and strong drink in the church that they want right inside the church house. We've turned churches into dance clubs and movie theaters to show the latest PG-13 and R-rated movie 
movies that the Hollywood studios are putting out. And while I'm at it, Christian television has shut down men of God who preached against sin and started to invite secular comedians who can't get three words without cussing in their live shows to be on the live Christian TV broadcasts. We've got to set it right. Whatever happened to, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Whatever happened to, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Whatever happened to, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Whatever happened to wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you you cannot win the world by becoming like the world you cannot the world already has the world the world already has what the world has they want something that they don't have They've already got the alcohol. They've already got the drugs. They've already got the dancing and the lust and the movies and the music and the fornication. And so how are we going to win them if we don't have something different to give them? And this hyper grace movement will say that God loves you no matter. And I agree, yes, God does love you no matter. But where are the miracles? Where are the signs and the wonders? Where are the deliverances? Where are the people getting up out of wheelchairs? Where are the blind eyes open? From what I can tell, the Smith Wigglesworths that raised people from the dead were preaching holiness. From what I can tell, the, the Lester Summeralls who would command demons to undo what they just did were preaching holiness. And I'm here today to tell you that God has not changed his mind. Holiness is still holiness. There is but one way to function and to flow under the power and the anointing of God, and that is to live a consecrated lifestyle. I've never met anyone who drank themselves into a good job. I've never met anyone who smoked themselves into a, a healthy marriage. I've never met anyone who lusted themselves into happiness. I've never met anyone who drugged themselves into a healing ministry. It does not work that way. In participating in the world's activities, you are essentially saying that this world is your dwelling place and this is where you're connected. This is where you call home. If you want to bring the world into the church and you want to live like the world, this is where you call home. But my Bible says that you're to be a nomad. You're to be a wanderer. You're a pilgrim. You don't even belong here. You can't be comfortable doing everything the world does if you're like Abraham and you're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. There is nothing in this grace movement that I want. I believe God forgives us of our sins. I believe there's grace for that. But that grace is not to be misused so that you can continue to sin. That grace is to keep you out of hell. We want revival, but we can't consecrate ourselves. And if you can't consecrate yourself, God can't trust you with the anointing. It's like asking God to arm a rebel. It's like asking God to endow a rebel with power. You wouldn't walk out and give a terrorist a gun. 
And that's what we're asking God to do because we are spiritually a mess and we're asking God for power. We have got to consecrate ourselves. God is not going to arm the enemy. He is not going to empower a rebel. He will not do it. Holiness is still holiness and we've got to get back to holiness if we want to see revival. Roadblock number two, lack of unity. There is a lack of unity. First Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. There is such a lack of unity inside the church, and I'm talking every church. I'm talking from the pulpits to the boards to the pews and everywhere in between. The door greeters fighting with the usher and the deacon is fighting with the teacher and everyone thinks we should be doing this and going here and we should start this program and we should try this group and pastor's been preaching for three weeks on the same thing and there should be different classrooms and the dish ran away with the spoon church people can't agree on anything church people can't agree on anything and I was studying the Azusa Street Revival and the Azusa Street Revival, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that the Azusa Street Revival ended was church politics. Church politics and disagreements on how things were going to be run. Everyone had an opinion and they wanted their opinion voiced and they wanted their opinion heard and they were not willing to compromise for the greater good of anyone involved. If we're going to see revival, it is going to have to not be about any individual. It is going to be about us as a whole. If we're going to make anything about ourselves, we will never get into unity because everybody can't agree all the time. If there's anything I can't stand, it's church politics. If there's anything that gets under my skin, it is church politics. And if you break down politics, there are two root words. Poly meaning many and ticks meaning blood sucking disease carrying bugs. We've got to get over church politics. Politics are the science of making decisions that affect a large group of people. And what happens when we get opinions involved instead of getting into the prayer closet and what happens when we get our own ideas involved instead of getting into the prayer closet and seeing how God would have us do it is that we get strife and we get fights and we get little fires going all through the body of Christ all the time. What we need instead of little fires started by people is we need a Holy Ghost fire to fall in order to have that we've got to get into unity Jesus said in Matthew 18 20 for where two or three are gathered in my name there I am in the midst of them well somebody said well that should be easy then we should just be able to get together in his name and have revival but what has happened in the church is we have people gathering together in the name of everything except Jesus this person over here is gathered in the name of a preacher and that person over there is gathered in the name of a musician this person over here is gathered in the name of obligation this person over here is gathered in the name of events. This person over here is gathered in the name of a Sunday school program. This person over here is gathered in the name of coffee and donuts in the lobby. And Jesus is not anywhere in the room because we don't even have two or three people in agreement when they come to church. Come on. 
There's more unity watching a ball game and everyone cheering on the same team than we have in church half the time. There's more unity on sale day up at the Bonton because everyone's gathered together in the name of the hot item. There's more unity in a protest because everyone's gathered together in the name of a cause. And we can't even gather together in the name of Jesus and everybody be on the same page because this one's fighting with that one and this one's got ought against that one. And that person looked at me funny when I came in the door and that person walked by me and didn't shake my hand. We have all got together, get together in unity in order to see revival fall. We let the devil get ahead of us because we don't unite. We come to church and we aren't united in our pursuit. We aren't united in worship. We're not united in focus. We let the devil walk all over us and rob us because we're not in one accord. But it is time to unite under the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. It's time to unite and seek revival. It's time to unite in our efforts to see the lost saved. It's time to unite in prayer. It's time to unite with a desire to see a region and a nation changed by the message of the gospel. It's time to unite. The third roadblock on the road to revival is a lack of commitment. Matthew 23, 37. How often have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Imagine that. The people not letting God do something. He said, you wouldn't let me move. You wouldn't let me do it. You wouldn't let me. We don't want revival. Not really. We sing about it. We talk about it. We study it. We preach about it. But we don't really want it. Somebody in here said, how dare you? I want revival. I want souls saved. I want the drug dealers run out of town. I want the nation to turn back to God. Really? Where are we on Wednesday night? Where are we on Sunday afternoon prayer meeting? Where are we when help's needed for events? Don't get mad at me. I just look at the numbers. And I see for myself uh, what we want is that we want the effects of a revival, but we don't really want the revival. Don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm not scared of none of y'all anyway. We want the effects of the revival. We want the soul saved. We want the drug dealers run out of town. We want all the good things that come with revival. We want to feel the chills up and down our spine. We want to see people delivered and people jump up out of wheelchairs but we don't want the actual revival that means that we're going to have to come to church more than normal. We don't want the actual revival that says we're going to have to pray more than normal. We don't want the actual revival that says we got to fast and we got to get together and we got to get in unison about this thing. You don't want your life turned clear upside down by revival. A Baptist preacher, Joe McKeever, said this, it is plain and simple. We really do not want a heaven-sent, life-rearranging revival. We want the results, the good part, but not the upheaval in our personal lives, priorities, and schedules, which a heaven-sent revival would cause. We want our churches filled. 
We want the community changed and believers encouraged. But what we do not want is to be caught up in the spiritual fervor that drives us to resign certain affiliations, stop certain activities, and devote ourselves to lengthy prayer meetings and Bible studies and ministry. We want the harvest without the cost. So God will not force revival on us. You might say, I'm committed to God. I'm committed to revival. But our actions betray our words. We are a people so wrapped up in everything else. We have commitments everywhere. And you're committed to something because if you're not committed to God on Sundays, you're committed to staying home or you're committed to watching football or you're committed to your family activities. You're committed to something, but that something is not God. Whatever you set as a priority is what you're committed to. I feel like Joyce Meyer up here right now. (laughs) Whatever you set as a priority is what you're committed to. We are not seeing revival because we're not committed to it. We want it, but we want it now. We want it, but we want it when we say we want it. We think God operates like a vending machine and we put our little prayer in the coin slot and we push the button and voila, a blessing comes out. We think God should just send it and give it to us. But the truth is, until we get committed to the cause, we're not ready for it. We're not ready for what God wants to do. He'd send revival, but we can't handle it. We can't even show up when we're teachers on the schedule. We can't even show up when we're supposed to be a door greeter. We can't be faithful where God has us now. Why would he give us more. You'd be on your feet shouting if I wasn't standing on all your toes right now. We are saying, God, where is the revival? And God is saying, where is my church? Why hasn't the church been fulfilling the commandments I gave her? Why hasn't she been praying? Why hasn't she been fasting? We hear a message like this and it gets us stirred up for a little while and we don't see results right away so we give up and we become complacent. But somebody has got to get committed. Somebody has got to say, I'm not giving up on this thing until I see it come to pass. I'm not stopping until I see it happen. We want the drug dealers set free, yes. We want the bars to close down, yes. We want the house of God filled, yes. We want the schools to have prayer. Yes, we want the sick healed and the dead raised. But if that means that we have to be at the church every time the church doors are open, then so be it. If that means I have to get my cable cut off so I can focus on reading the word of God, so be it. If that means I have to stay up half the night in travail and prayer and walk the floors, so be it. If that means I have to tell some of my friends and my family, sorry, I have to cancel the plans today because I've got to get alone with God. So be it. If that means, somebody's going to get mad when I say this. If that means I've got to switch jobs, so be it. If that means I have to downsize my house and sell a car to get out from the umbrella of credit card debt so that I can help fund the work of the kingdom, so be it. But I'm getting committed. If you're mad at me, this last roadblock's just for you. We are overrun by offense. We are overrun by offense in the church. This nation has never seen anything like this before. 
The Bible said in Matthew 24, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Those are the words of Jesus. He said many will be offended and they will betray one another and they will hate one another. One of the greatest blights in our nation right now is the spirit of offense, and it has permeated the church. It is inside the church just as much as it is out. There is offense at every turn. Everyone is offended about something, and here's the thing. It doesn't quite matter what it is. In the United States of America, the spirit of offense is trying to rip this nation apart. And it is not a black thing. It is not a white thing. It is not a pro-life or pro-abortion thing. It is not a gay or straight thing. It is a spiritual thing. And the sooner we realize, and the sooner we will realize that we've got to get to battle this, we've got to battle this thing in the spirit, the better off we will be. This is a spirit that is in this nation, this spirit of offense that is trying to cause a civil war inside the nation and it is trying to cause civil wars inside the church. There are people right now in the greatest country of the world who are not rioting and, and protesting because anyone has really done anything wrong to them. They are protesting and rioting because they want to be offended. There are people in the church who want to be offended. They are looking for things to be offended about. They are looking for things to riot about. They are looking for things. They want to scream and shake their fists and destroy property and go to court because they enjoy turmoil. And if you run into someone who wants to be offended, you'll notice that it doesn't matter if you treat them with courtesy and you, you're polite to them and you give them everything they want. They will still be offended about something. If you watch your words, they'll still be mad. If you do exactly what they say they want done, they'll still be mad. If you bend over backwards to try to help them, they'll still be mad because there's a spirit on them that wants to be offended. That spirit constantly wants an uproar. It constantly wants a battle. It, it gets people up in arms about the stupidest stuff. And when you have that spirit on you, it will cause you to do crazy things. I watched a news report this week where hundreds of people dressed up in T-Rex costumes invaded Washington, D.C. to protest something I'd never even heard of. People want to be offended. They want to protest. Could you see George Washington and Abraham Lincoln if hundreds of people in dinosaur costumes 
had invaded Washington, D.C. to march on the mall about cutting some sort of fund. It's craziness. And that spirit will make people do crazy things. It's ridiculous. It'll make you do things you never dreamed of doing in the name of being offended. There have been marches over the last year over the dumbest causes. It's, it's, it's bad enough that it's out in the world, but it makes me scratch my head and ask if this is even real, if this is real life when it comes into the church and people in the church are offended. Sister so-and-so walked right past me and didn't shake my hand. Door greeter looked at me the wrong way, told me to throw my drink away. They told me they're changing this and now I'm going to leave. We were in a meeting earlier this week and they, they were talking about changing some things and they said, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that because so-and-so is going to get mad and, and they'll threaten to leave. And I said, boy, no one ever comes to me and says, I'm going to leave because you did this because I'll walk you to the door. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in treating people right. I believe in righting wrongs when things are wrong. I believe in loving people with the love of Christ. But there are people who use offense to try and manipulate churches and manipulate pastors. And that's really all offense is, is a tool for manipulation. And if I tell you I'm offended and make a big enough stink about it, maybe you'll change your mind and you'll do what I want you to do. That's all it is. It's a manipulating, deceiving spirit that tries to get in the church and cause the leadership to not be able to follow the will of God for the church. And it causes them to, to, to do different things than what God is telling them to do. And it robs people of their character because now you're offended. So you think you got to go tell everybody what so-and-so did to you and how horrible they were and how you were mistreated. And I just have this to say, I've had my fill of people being offended in the United States and in the church. If you're offended, take that thing to God and get it under the blood and drop it. I don't get offended easily anymore because offense is getting us nowhere. I used to get offended, but I've determined I'm not wasting my time and my emotions on something someone said or something someone did that doesn't have any clout or ground to begin with. And if you think you're going to offend me, I'm sorry, but you're not that important. I'm not giving you that much control over me. I'm not going to lose sleep over what you did. I'm not going to starve myself over it. In fact, I'm going to go home and lay my head on my pillow and rest easy because I know that the only person who it really matters to if I follow their will is God. And we need to quit walking around in the church and being offended by every little thing. We got to grow a backbone and find our identity in God, not in what someone else said or did. And here's a message to the United States of America. I know we're live. Welcome. I've got a message to every special interest group 
that marches and protests. I've got a message to every member of Congress, every elected official. Here's a news flash to the PETA, the NRA, Black Lives Matter, the GOP, and the DEMs. Listen up, Hollywood. Listen up, Madonna and Katy Perry. Everybody from Nancy Pelosi to Kathy Griffin and everyone in between. And here's the message. You can have your protests and you can march around and you can wear your funny little hats and you can hold your signs and scream until your lungs give out and say you're offended. But I've got a message for you today. You might run around saying you're offended and you want things to change in favor of how you feel, but there is one who was offended. And if anyone has a right to be offended, it is he. And can I tell you who he is and what it is that offends him? His name is Jehovah God and he is offended by your sin. He is offended by iniquity. He is offended by your attitude towards him. He is offended by your blatant disregard to his commandments. This nation has sent up such a stench into the nostrils of God that it's a wonder he hasn't wiped us out. But he's given us an opportunity to repent. He's given us an opportunity for revival. He's given us an opportunity to change. And I say we go for it. Somebody's got to tell true. Hallelujah. Everyone else can stand to your feet as well. I'm going to review and then I'm going to let you go. Number one roadblock on the road to revival is a lack of consecration. I don't care what anyone else is doing. I'm going to get myself right with God. I'm going to get myself right. If that if the church is going this way and it's not of God, I'm going to get myself lined up. If 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 the pastor down the road is going this way, I'm going to get myself lined up with God. Number 2, lack of commitment. We've got to get determined. Number 3, lack of unity. We have got to pull together for the common good. We've got to pull together for revival. And number 4, we are overrun by offense. We've got to get the offense out of the church. The voice of him who cries out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough plain, ground become a plain and let the rough places become a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Hallelujah. 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 I want to give you an opportunity today. I want to give you an opportunity. If you say this, this, these roadblocks are in my life, these roadblocks are holding me back from revival. I want to give you an opportunity to come up to this altar today. And I want you to, I want you to repent first of all. And I want God, you ask God to take those roadblocks out of your life, help you rip them out. If it's consecration, you got to consecrate yourself then get yourself consecrated. Get the stuff out of your life that's holding you back. If you say, I'm not committed, if you say, I'm not committed to this thing, I've said I want it, but I don't feel that burning desire for it. I don't feel like I need to, I need to pray more. I don't feel like I need to fast more. I want you to ask God to put that on you, put a commitment on you. If you say, I'm not in unity. I've got something against someone else in the church. I, I'm fighting with someone else in the church. I'm mad at someone Get that under the blood. If you're offended about something, get that under the blood. It's important. It's important. 
We have got to get ourselves together in unity. We do. We do. And then the second part is if you're not in this place and if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, it's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. It is the most important decision you could ever make in your life because after you die, you're either going to a place called heaven or you're going to a place called hell. Heaven is a place of rest. Heaven is a place of joy and peace. Everything that you need is provided for you. Everything that you'd ever want is provided for you and God himself is there so that you can be in his presence but there's a place called hell that the Bible says is full of fire and torment and the worm dies not and there will be things that gnaw at you and stab you and punch at your body the Bible said that God is going to have to give you another body that will withstand the torment so I want to ask you today if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ who is the only way to heaven you need to do that today you need to do that today so I'm going to open these altars up and anyone who needs to come and pray about these roadblocks or anyone who would like to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I want you to come forward. We're going to pray in just a minute. You can come now. Hallelujah. Get the roadblocks out of your life. Get the roadblocks out of the way. Get committed. Get the offense out of your life. Get into unity. Get consecrated. Set yourself aside for the things of God. It's time. Playtime's over. We gotta have revival. We've gotta have revival. If you need Jesus, come up now. We're gonna pray in a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing it out. I surrender all. Hallelujah. We surrender today, God. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to pray this prayer. This is a sinner's prayer. And if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to accept him into your life, I want, to, I want you to pray this prayer with me. The church is going to repeat after me as well. And you can accept Jesus into your heart today. When you do that, I want you to come tell us. We got a Bible for you. We want to hug your neck. We want to get to know you. And after that sinner's prayer, I'm going to lead a prayer over the whole congregation. And I'm going to pray for the roadblocks on the road to revival to be taken out of the path. That God will show us where they're at. That will show us how to make the path straight. How to level off the hills and fill in the valleys. So I'm going to pray this prayer. If you need to accept Jesus, repeat after me. Church, repeat after me as well. See, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned. But today, I make a vow to live for you. Wash me in the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Set me free. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. 
I accept the gift of salvation this day. And I thank you for making me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you have shown us different roadblocks that are on the path to revival. And God, we need to get those roadblocks out of the way. So God, I pray for every person who lacks consecration. I pray for every person who lacks commitment. I pray for every person who doesn't want unity. I pray for every person who has offense. God, help us to get these things out of our lives because it is imperative that we have revival. God, I pray that people would forgive I pray that people would let go. I pray that people would join together. And God, that we would see this thing out. Help us to be willing to go the extra mile for revival, God. Because we know if we're faithful to do what you said to do, you will send it. God, today, I plead the blood over every single person in this place. I, God, thank you for your touch in this service today. And for ministry, God, seal it in our hearts. And let it be something that we will not forget. We love you today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we appreciate you listening to today's episode and may God bless you as you continue to walk with him.